we're such a diverse group here. And so Bobby's been with VFC. How long have you been here at VFC? May 2005, April 2005. Okay, so 11 years. 11 years uh, Bobby's been coming and God's done amazing things. This guy, I hate that we only have about 30 minutes because this guy can tell stories like nobody's business. It's awesome. So would you please uh, welcome Bobby this morning? Good morning. Well, um, Jamie said, I'm Bobby Strahan. I've been here for about 11 years. Uh, If you've seen me when I came here the first time, I look totally different. I have a little gray, a little more weight on me. But uh, I want to go through the first part of my life really quick and, and get to what I think God really wants me to share about this morning. I was born in 1969 to my mom and dad, Tim and Phyllis Strahan, in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I was a uh, perfect young man with the exception I had a wicked heart. But uh, 2,000 years before that, Jesus had already paired a way to fix that problem. It just took me a long time to find it. Uh, I was raised in uh, North Florida uh, on a family farm uh, where I was from the second grade until... I left to go to the Marine Corps in uh, 1987. Uh, in 87, I joined the Corps. Uh, part of that because of some trouble I had gotten to while I was in high school. And then uh, God started working with me. Uh, I um, went off to the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, where uh, I was served on the front lines as a supplier. I uh, drove trucks. I uh, came from the ports to the front lines hauling ammunition and fuel and uh, enjoyed my time in the service. I got to see a lot of a lot of the, the world. Uh, matter of fact, I've actually flown around the world one time and I have sailed around it one time. So it was an awesome time. During my time during the Gulf War, I had an accident. Um, I sustained some uh, brain injuries uh, to the right side of my brain. I actually was hauling uh, white phosphorus, which is a uh, highly explosive round. And uh, there was 11 trucks in a convoy, and only one of them wasn't totaled. We uh, topped a hill, and uh, it had rained for the first time in a long time, but there was an uh, oil tanker had spilled oil on the ground. And uh, when we topped the hill, it looked like something you would see in a cartoon movie. I mean, trucks was just going everywhere. I was the the last truck in the convoy, and I actually had gotten word as the first truck started wrecking that that it was going on. So I had slowed way down, and I actually thought that I had everything under control, and uh, that's a false sense of security. uh, As soon as I did top the hill, I was about halfway down the side of the hill there, and uh, I started easing off the side of the road with this tractor trailer and as soon as the right front tire hit the sand it stopped sliding and the rest of the truck passed me and I rolled three times I end overed and I still remember to this day I can see it vividly in my mind seeing that trailer standing straight up above me and me looking at the sand as that trailer came over the first time uh when I woke up I was actually and and don't ask me how this happened because I'm not sure My head was up under the gas pedal, and there were sandbags. We had packed our trucks full of sandbags for explosives, and the sandbags was actually on top of me, and I could not breathe. Um, 
the guy who was riding with me actually was paralyzed for about two weeks before he started gaining sensations back. And uh, it was just a real crazy time. Uh, it, it happened so fast, I, I can't believe I can recall a lot of the things that happened in that short period of time. i tell you that to tell you that I would sustain some, some bad uh, injuries. Uh, I remember once they got me... Uh, to the medic, I had went, I had jumped, uh, these guys came by in a Humvee, and they didn't know where they was at, and I knew where the closest command supply center was that had a hospital, so the little private was in his Humvee, and he pulls up, and he's like, what can we do, and I'm like, go to CSSD 27, tell them we need help, we need support, and we need medevac, and he's like, I don't know where that is, so I remember snatching him out of the Humvee, and taking his Humvee, and flying about seven miles in this Humvee to this support detachment. And uh, when I got there, instead of stopping for the sentries at the gate, I decided I would just blow through because I knew where the command post was. Didn't work too good. 50 cal rounds were right down the side of the Humvee. But uh, I ran in, and there was a chaplain at the command center. They was getting ready to have their morning prayer and uh, raise the flag. And I'll never forget it. He was a big guy. I mean, he was bigger than Kevin. And Kevin, pretty big fella. But he, I was talking so fast that nobody could understand me. And he just reared back and just southpawed me and slapped me. And it just, like, stopped the world. And I'm like, did he really just do that? But uh, anyway, so we got help and, and um, a miracle that no one was killed. There was some guys pretty, pretty badly injured. But going on, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps in 1993. Uh, I had had my my first wife, had had our first child while we was in Hawaii. Uh, came back, got an awesome job, started working, and started preparing to open my first business. Found out I had a second daughter on the way. Uh, once again, God has jokes. Me being a manly man and doing the things I do, I thought I ought to have all boys. I got four girls, but uh, so I got out of the service, and I started my first business, and uh, it went real well. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I started my second business. I enjoyed it less, but I continued to do it, and then I started my third business, which was rental properties, and uh, all this was going great. I was making all kind of money, had all kind of toys. I raced cars. I raced boats, uh, just enjoying life. But uh, I was trying to make myself happy. And I was probably the most miserable person you would ever see. And um, I went through my first divorce. uh, Lost uh, my businesses. uh, Just was going through a real tough time. Remarried again. It lasted a short period of time. Divorced again. And that takes us to, to 2005. I was uh, selling my, I sold my, my last business trying to get out of financial debt. Uh, I'll never forget in uh, that year I had gotten a call from uh, a friend of mine who I had served and worked with, uh, not only in the military but also in the civilian world there in Tallahassee, Florida at Waste Management. And he had become the maintenance director here in Thomasville for the city of Thomasville Utilities. And uh, I was a very good mechanic, 
the Lord blessed me with the ability to mechanic and fix things. And he called me and he said, Bob, I heard you was closing your business. He said, I'm needing a mechanic for the garbage trucks in Thomasville. And I was like, man, I'm not going to work for somebody else. I'll start some kind of other business up and I'll be successful. But at the time, I had absolutely nothing. And I decided, well, this would probably be a good opportunity. So I came to Thomasville. Uh, I was going through a divorce. I was actually living with my uncle. And uh, I got a one-bedroom apartment here in Thomasville. And uh, I was seeing a girl. And uh, I found out she had a prescription drug problem. So I decided that I needed to carry her to church and get her fixed. I was okay. There was nothing wrong with me. I had uh, only been an alcoholic for 17 years. Most of the time I was uh, a drinker of tequila. That was just my poison that I chose. And... uh, but there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. I was still this perfect child that my mom had, had given birth to. So I came in, and I'll never forget it. Uh, the first Sunday I came in to Victory Fellowship to get this young lady fixed. Back then we had four sections here. And I sat in the middle section on the right. And about halfway through the service, uh, Brother Larry was preaching that Sunday. And uh, he was pretty boring to me. So I got up and left. And I'll never forget, I sat over, I sat over here in what Pastor Ann kindly calls the redneck parking lot. And I was sitting over there chewing tobacco and actually drinking tequila right out there. Now, if there was ever a time that God should have just like sent a bolt of lightning out of a clear sky, that was probably it. But he had a better call on my life. And uh, so that week I didn't realize... You know, at that time, Victory Fellowship was about 60 people. But I think I knew all 60 of them through the city of Thomasville. Because everywhere I went, people was like, how did you like church Sunday? Wasn't it great? Ain't you coming back? And under my breath, I'm saying, that is not happening. Them people are crazy. And uh, so, as God would have it, when he has a plan for you, you're going to, you'll get there eventually. You'll wake up and realize what it is. The next Sunday came around, and uh, I was not coming here. That was not on my agenda, but I did. I ended up back in here, sitting on the third row, and uh, I don't know how many military guys we have in here, but if you've ever been shell-shocked, it's when a bomb or a big blast happens real close to you, but it's far enough away that it don't hurt you or kill you, but it just mutes your hearing you can see everything happening. You can, I mean, you can see people's mouth moving, but you don't hear nothing. And that, that has happened to me several times when I was in the Gulf War. But this time it was happening to me right here sitting in this church. And uh, it was really strange because I knew there was no reason for it. But I could not hear nothing. I could see people singing and praising God. And out of nowhere, I heard three words this is your last chance and uh it was sort of set you back i knew the life that i had lived was nowhere close to pleasing to god i knew god i had i'd been raised in a southern baptist church but uh i was uh very uncomfortable when i heard that and uh, i remember looking around and i 
there was uh, nobody around that could have had that tone in their voice. And I, I remember saying, God, is that you? And I didn't hear yes, no, maybe. I just heard the same thing again, this is your last chance. And I remember tears streaming down my face, walking out and coming right down here in the middle of a praise and worship and saying, okay, here I am. I'm drunk, I'm wore down, I'm beat up. Uh, if you want me, here I am. What you going to do with this? And uh, Pastor Ann, I'll never forget, she came down and she said, you're ready, ain't you? And uh, we prayed together and I rededicated my life to Christ. And uh, things just started happening in my life that I just still to this day don't understand why they would. Um, that was in April. The following year, in May, we went to a men's retreat. Let me back up a little bit. From the accident that I had during the Gulf War, I, I had terrible seizures. Uh, I was on three different medicines. I was on the strongest dose of Neurotin that any of the VA doctors had ever uh, given. Uh, I had a neurologist, actually, I had a team of neurologists in Tallahassee at Tallahassee Memorial that uh, monitored me outside of the VA. And uh, they couldn't believe that I could even function and have a life with the strength of Neurotin that I was taking and the excellent that I took for seizures. Uh, sometimes they would be, I had petty mal and grandma seizures. Uh, and um, it's not, I don't know if anybody ever has suffered from one or ha continues to suffer from them, but it's not very pleasant. Uh, there's been times where I've had them when I was eating and you, you, you're choking and having a seizure and all. It's just not very pleasant. I've, I remember doing it in front of my youngest daughter one day, and the fear on her face was, was terrible. And uh, it just, it, it was... I was more scared for what she was seeing than I was for myself at the time. But anyway, I went to this men's conference over in Lake Ufall, Alabama. We had a Friday night meeting. And uh, matter of fact, I think Jamie was doing the praise and worship at that time for our men's conference. And uh, after the service that night, Brother Larry said, I want you to give your testimony. <laughs> I was like, oh, you got me messed up with somebody else. That's not going to happen. And... Uh, I was a, a new Christian. I had been fathering the Lord for about a year. And out of that year, six months of it, I spent in Lynn, Massachusetts, working in a shop up there. So I didn't even have no connection with my church family. So what little bit of growth I had had was when I had time to read my Bible, and that was it. And at the time, I thought it was a major hindrance, but it was probably one of the best things that could happen because I was able to form my own relationship with God based on what I was reading, not what somebody was teaching me. But uh, anyway, so we're over there, and that happens. And uh, Saturday morning, we got up, and we had another session, and we had breakfast. And after that, I went down to the lake. There at Lake Ufall, I was sitting on the dock. I remember having one leg hanging in the water, leaning against a four-by-four -four post there on the dock. And the Thursday prior to going down, I got a letter from the VA. And uh, it simply stated that we cannot find cause that the accident is what's causing you to have seizures. Therefore, we no longer choose to provide you with medical care or medication. The medicine that I was taking at the time was a little over $2,200 a month. 
and I was on VA benefits, so it cost me nothing. But they was telling me that I would no longer have that benefit available. And uh, I had some fear. I had some uncertainty because I didn't even make enough money at the time to pay for the medicine, let alone pay for the medicine to have a place to live. But I was sitting on that dock that morning, and I remember um, I was just praying, and all of a sudden this anger came up in me. And I said, Lord, you say that by your stripes I'm healed. You say that above all things you wish for me to prosper and be in good health. And I started quoting these scriptures back, and I finally said, that's it. Either A, you're going to heal me today, or B, I'm coming to see you. Either way, I'm good. Either way. And uh, I really felt that in my spirit. I I was to the point to where I didn't want to fight no more. I was tired of the seizures. Even on the medicine, I would have seizures. I mean, all it did was sort of slow it down. It didn't stop it. It would make it more bearable. But that particular morning, I remember saying that, and I, I can't explain to you what happened. I can tell you to the best of my ability what I felt, but I felt like something pricked me right in the middle of my chest. And this, the warmest sensation I ever had just flowed throughout my whole body. If I could describe it, I would say somebody took an injection and just injected honey, hot, warm honey, into my chest, and then it just started flowing through all of my extremities. I remember feeling little bursts of energy in my brain. I mean, it felt like just a little small explosion. I could feel it in my fingertips, in my toes. And I had 10 days of medicine left, and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go call my mom and tell her I've been healed. I knew. I don't know why, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I had just got touched by the Lord and that I was healed. And there was nothing that could take that from me. I received it, and I was standing on it. And I said, I'm going to tell mom. Because my mom was one of the few people who stuck beside me when I was in my bad place. And I've skipped over a whole lot of bad. (sighs) But she was the one that prayed for me. She's the one that's got arthritis now on her knees to where she can't hardly walk because probably getting up and down praying for me because she knew she needed to. So I was going to call her and tell her. And uh, But first I had to pour that medicine out. Because, see, I knew my mom. My mom wanted to make sure that I would be okay. So I knew the first thing she was going to say is, don't quit taking that medicine until... You can go see the doctor. I knew that was coming, so I poured it out before I called her. I poured out a 10-day supply of all my medicines. I poured them in the toilet, and I flushed them. And I don't even remember the gentleman's name that I was rooming with. He was from Alabama. But he said, I want to pray for you. And he prayed with me and just asked for God to give me the faith to continue to believe for my healing. I called my mom and I told her, and sure enough, the first thing she said was, is don't quit taking that medicine until you go see the doctor. And I called my sister and I told her. And I started believing right then that either A, I was going to be healed, which I truly felt like I was healed that very moment, or B, I was going to see 
God the Father and ask him why. And things happened so rapidly. At that point in my life, it was not unusual for me to miss three or four days of work. All of a sudden, I was working six, seven days a week and never taking a day off, not having no problems. I started playing basketball, something I hadn't done in years. I started playing softball. And it was like I was back in high school. I had energy to play these sports that I wouldn't even think about doing because most of the time, by the time I worked six or seven hour a day, I was totally drained and I would sleep from 8.30 till 7 o'clock in the morning just to have enough energy for the next day. That's how much these seizures took out of me. But uh, it was just, it was a miracle. I mean, I can't say nothing else. I didn't do nothing except for believe I don't know why he chose to heal me that day. And I wish I did. I wish I could lay that on every person that's ever been sick. But he chose to heal me that day. And to this day here, I have not had a seizure since that day in May. I mean, I I don't understand him. But I know that he loves me. I know that he gave his life for me. And I know that he healed me. He cared about me enough that he would heal me. I still, uh, I stand amazed a lot of times uh, at, at the things he's done for me. Uh, outside of healing, he restored my life with uh, my daughters from my first marriage. For uh, seven years, I didn't see them. I didn't see them, two beautiful girls, for seven years. But God restored that. We don't have the best relationship in the world, but we've got a relationship. I get to see them. I get to call them. We're like every other father and daughter relationship. We have our strains and we have our good times. But that was awesome that after not seeing my kids for seven years, I'll never forget that day in June. It was June 19th. 2006 when I seen him for the first time and I I just I, I just don't know how to explain that to you I hope you never have to have that feeling not seeing your kids for seven years but when you do get to see them again it is a joyous occasion in 11 years of here at Victor Fellowship God has restored me more than just physically spiritually but he has restored me financially when I came here in 2005 I had a one bedroom apartment and no vehicle I bought my first vehicle in June after uh, in 2005 Uh, and since that time I was uh, a little over $50,000 in debt after selling all of my businesses and all of the assets that I had. Uh, one of the things I've always said, uh, even before I rededicated my life, is that I would I would farm when I would retire. Uh, I love farming. It's 20 hours a day of hard work. 
it's hot, it's cold, it's wet, it's dry, it's I don't know what I'm going to do next. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to wake up at 3.45 and go to bed at 11 o'clock at night at, during the summer months. Uh, I don't even see my kids awake a lot of times, except for maybe five minutes here or there. But I love it. I always said that that's what I wanted to do when I retired. Well, see, God gives us the glory of our dreams, the desires of our heart. Uh, I retired four and a half years ago. I was asked to to go to work for a, a farm here locally. I had turned wrenches uh, since 1993 when I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, and like I say, God blessed me with the ability to fix things. Uh, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm a really good mechanic. There's very few things that I can't fix. It's only because of the ability that he gave me. But I didn't enjoy it. It was just a way of providing. And I wanted more out of life than just providing. I wanted to enjoy life. And I didn't realize that when the Lord gave me uh, this opportunity to go to work for this farm, what he was really doing, he fulfilled more than one desire in my heart. Uh, I went to work for a Christian man who thinks first thing that you should do every day is, is do that what is pleasing to God and be an example to the other workers on the farm, to the people who come and sell to us, to the people we sell to. And he would rather us stop working and witness than he had to work and make a dollar. And he truly believes that. And he embraces it. He has told me more than one time, if you need to take somebody for a ride in your truck and talk to them, put them in the seat of your truck and go ride around and talk to them. Uh, And I get to do that. I've got to share my story that I'm sharing with you with multiple people in the seat of my truck. Matter of fact, this is our busiest time of season. We're we're in the middle of watermelons. Uh, it's a love-hate relationship. I love to grow them. I hate to harvest them. Because when we have to harvest, we have to depend on a lot of young men that are not really sure about the what work is. They... They uh, they enjoy that check every Friday, but they don't enjoy the part getting it. And it's a struggle. I'll tell you a story. Two years ago, after being there, this is my third year of watermelon season with with the Popes. And uh, I remember coming in, and uh, yet another blessing I have is my wife. But uh, I came in this evening, and I was like, man. Just had my head hung and was just grumbling and complaining. And she's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, we're going to start watermelons tomorrow. And she's like, you love watermelons. And I'm like, I love growing them, but I hate having to get them out of that field because I know it's just going to be a headache. And she says, well, quit complaining about it. That's <laughs> not what I wanted to hear. But she says, why do you hate it so much? And I said, because... All of these kids just want to check. They don't want to work. They don't care about it. And there's always one that's going to just bow up and be ready to fight. And I mean, it's just, it's really, it really was terrible for me at that time before this speech that I got. And she told me, she said, quit 
looking at the bad side and find out what's going on in their life. And I was like, okay. And she said, no, promise me that you're going to ask them. Instead of getting on to them when they mess up, ask them what's going on in their life first. And I'm okay, I promise. And if I tell you I promise something, you can take it to the bank. It's about one of the few things that I have that is my word. And so this, as fate would have it, two days into the watermelon season, I catch a young man stealing off of the food truck that comes to the field. And then that's the one thing that I just have no tolerance for. It's automatic fire. I don't ask no questions. Get out the field, go. And uh, so I catch him, and sure enough, I'm ready to just light his world up. I'm ready to become drill instructor Strahan, and I'm getting ready to let him know about the rights and the wrongs of what he just did. Holy Spirit steps in and says, you promised Becky that you would find out what's going on. Come on now, this is not the time for this. <laughs> so I looked over at the young man with anger in my eye, wanting to just go across the seat at him, and I said, for namesake, we're just going to say Ben. I said, Ben, what's going on, buddy? And he said, uh, nothing, nothing. I said, come on, man. I said, something's going on. You don't. You didn't just... Go and do that for no reason. You trying to show out for the guys or what's going on? And uh, he said, no, Mr. Bobby. My mom's a drug addict, and I don't know where she's at. And my dad's in prison for selling drugs, and I'm not going to see him for a long time. And I live with my grandpa because my grandma's done passed away. But my grandpa's at Archibald, and I hadn't seen him in three days. Find out the whole story, people. Because, see, I was ready to fire this little young man with the bad attitude. He had been dealt a pretty rough deck of cards. I talked with him, and I told him, Ben, it don't matter what happens. You've always got a place to live. You're always going to have food. I said, if something happens and you need me, you come to my house and you know where it's at and you knock on the door. His whole facial features changed that quick. He says, you mean it, Mr. Bobby? I said, yes, I do. I says, you got a place to lay your head and eat no matter what. We prayed for his grandfather. I told him he had to go home for the rest of the day. I told him he had come back the next morning. He had asked Mr. Tom and Lee to forgive him for what he'd done, and he would ask Mr. Gary. And he would ask them for his job back. And if they okayed it, I would let him come back. That's the first time I've ever let someone who stole come back to work for me. But it was the best thing that I could have done. Last, that was last season. I can't tell you how many times I got to share with different men. Uh, a lot of y'all might know Randy. Randy works with us, and he's, he's got some crazy stories because he deals with the truck drivers. <laughs> I don't have nothing. I can't keep up with him. He's got some crazy stories. But uh, it's a pleasure because it's like even though there's times where me and Randy can bump heads, y'all. If you don't believe it, ask him. We can... We can knock it out. 
But the joy is, is at the end of the day, we can come back and tell stories like I just told you and like he told me yesterday about getting a witness to somebody. I mean, that's what it's all about. I don't care if you're a farmer or an architect or a lawyer or a pastor. Share your story. You will be surprised at how many lives will change just because you was willing to open your mouth and say what you've been through. I mean, it is it's such a blessing now. I mean, I still don't like watermelon harvesting because I still have to deal with the young kids. But I do love the fact that I know that there'll be the opportunity that I'll have to make a decision. Either A, I'm going to jump all over him and eat his lunch like a drill instructor would, or B, I can soften my voice, soften my heart, and say, what's going on in your world? Why are you acting this away? Why are you feeling this away? I'm going to tell you one more story before I have to close. And this one, I didn't handle it right at first. Well, for a long time. There was this lady who we have to deal with who does our food safety audits. And, uh, man, she's rough. Her and Randy are good friends. <laughs> but uh, she's really rough. I mean, she's rough around the collar, and uh, she can make a sailor blush. But forever, I just I couldn't stand her. I'm just going to be honest. The Lord already knows. Every time she would come in the office, I would just, just want to just, I was ready to go. I mean, I was just hoping she was like an MMA fighter. So that I could feel good about going at it with her. I mean, I was at, I'd get that riled up. I and mean, she would just talk to us like we was nothing. And that she was, she thought she was God when it come to this. And uh, so this goes on. And we had a meeting a couple weeks before the audit. And she comes in and got the book open. And she's like ripping pages out. And I had just walked in part of the way through the meeting. And I see her taking these pages out, and I'm like, I'm about ready to just go off instantaneously. So I said, excuse me, and I said what I had to say to Edwin, and I turned around and, and walked out. Well, during FaceTime group, <clears throat> we was having a FaceTime meeting, and uh, I got the rest of the story on this particular young lady. And... Uh, Found out she had had a rough life, been a really bad life. And uh, she had been hired by one of our brokers, and uh, who happens to be a, a really good Christian, and he was men mentoring her. He had put her office in his office so that he can mentor her, and he had heard the whole story, and he had shared it with, uh, with us. And uh, it... I, even after I heard the story, there was a little bit of me that just like, I don't care. But I've been able to pray for her. And I actually seen her about a week ago. She had came down and I went over to one of our packing sheds and I seen her and I spoke to her. And I could see the difference now. I'm seeing the difference of this Christian man mentoring her and seeing what a man is supposed to be. So I just uh, like to encourage you, don't think your story is nothing. Uh, 
that's the rough draft. That's the quick version. Uh, I can go for about six hours, but uh, Jamie has uh, threatened me with bodily injury if I go one minute longer. So, uh, But really, I mean, if there's anyone here that that you feel like you've got something that God can't heal, it's a lie from Satan. He can heal every disease. For every strap on his back, there's a healing. And I know that if he'll heal me, he'll heal anybody. I'm telling you, I'm the worst of the worst. The only good in me is what Jesus Christ has done in me. He's the only thing that gives me power to wake up in the morning. He's the only thing that gives me the power to understand other people. Because I don't care to do that in the natural. I have to do what he leads me to do. I got a a few scriptures that I really wanted to read, but I'm out of time. But I want to give you a chance to write them down. Because these scriptures really keep me focused. Revelations 12, 10, 11, and 12 talks about where we overcome him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. James 1 and verse 4 talks about having patience and letting it be worked out so that things will be perfect in your your life. 1 Peter 2 and 24 talks about the stripes on Jesus' back that were there to heal you. Not so that you can be healed, so that you are healed. And Matthew 18 and verse 20 talks about where two or three are gathered together. Well, there's more than two or three here today. And I believe that if we join together and believe together, that anything that anybody is going through can be healed and sown complete. Not all things happen instantaneously. I am a lucky one. Mine did happen. It happened that quick. And I wish it would happen that way for everybody. But I will tell you, not everything in my life has been fixed that quick. I sowed a lot of bad seeds, and I have to reap them seeds. But in 2005, I started sowing good seeds, and I'm starting to reap them too. So that's, that's the, the long and the short of it. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Jamie. But if there's anybody here who, who would like for me to, to pray with you for a healing, pray for you financially, because he has restored me on all of that and more, uh, I'd be willing to, to pray with you. Jamie? Amen. Y'all give Bobby a hand.